Welcome to Word from the Mountaintop, a weekly inspirational podcast brought to you from the Mountain Luther Parish. Today's Word of the Lord will be shared by Pastor Jason or Pastor Jess Felici. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Come and fill our hearts with your love. You alone, O Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your love. Hallelujah. Amen. Love. It's February, right? Valentine's Day. Everybody has something to say about love at this time of year. Some of us roll our eyes. Some of us get a little annoyed that somebody's going to talk about love again. Some of us fall head over heels for love just as a concept in and of itself. Pastor Jason and I get requests to do weddings, sometimes weddings for people in our parish and sometimes weddings for people we've never met before at Snowshoe or or other places. And and it's one of the greatest joys, getting to watch a couple commit to loving each other. Um, But, you know, sometimes we get tired of using the same passages over and over and over again in the worship service itself. And this is one of them, the 1 Corinthians reading. And maybe, maybe you chose this for your own wedding a long time ago. Maybe you, too, were one of the ones who chose love is patient, love is kind, right? Um, Or you've heard it read at countless weddings. Paul wasn't talking about the kind of love between two people when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. This, This letter that talks about love over and over and over again is not the kind of love that that sparks romantic feelings between two people who want to go out on a date and maybe commit, commit to living together under the, the covenant of marriage. This is, this is something bigger than that. And this is a problem we have with the English language. Um, I tried to look up, you know, sometimes I like to go back to the definition, to look up what the meaning of a word is. And so I looked it up in several dictionaries. And love, in our English dictionary, means a feeling. It means some romantic inclination between 
two people or a family unit. Love is something you use, this is the third definition, love is something you use to sign a letter. But that doesn't feel right at all, does it? Love, love is so much more than that. And you don't have to have ever been married or ever fallen in romantic love with someone to know what love is, to have experienced love. And, and the Greeks do this amazing thing. The Greeks have four words that they use. They have like seven words for love. But they have four words that they use on a regular basis. And, and you've heard these before, right? Like philos or Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love, right? Philos is that, that affection that you have for a friend or for your brother or sister. That love that, that is friendly. <laughs> um, and then we have arrows, which is the kind of love that Cupid flies around with his little arrows, right? And, and flings love, romantic, kind of hubba hubba love between two people, right? That, that kind of love that makes people blush when we talk about it, that's arrows. And then we have a word for love called agape. And agape is a kind of love that that pours forth charity. It's the sacrificial kind of love, right? This, this love that, that you are willing to do something above and beyond for somebody else. It's the kind of love that we talk about in Christian community, this, this sacrificial love, this agape. We hear that word a lot. And then there's storge, which is kind of tenderness or affection that a parent might have for a child or, or a neighbor might have for a little kid next door. That, that love that oversees, that love that cares for. And when Paul is writing to the community in Corinthians, he's not talking about arrows, this passionate love between two people. He's talking to an entire community. He's writing to Corinth. So the Christians in this community, in, in Corinth, the Corinthians. And so it's not even like he's writing to Calvary. It's like he's writing to every one of you about everybody who lives near you. So as, as I get ready to read for you this part of the letter from 1 Corinthians again, here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture the people that you grimace when you have to share the piece because the piece went on long enough that you finally met the person you trying to avoid. Okay? I want you to picture that kid that lives down the street from you that peels out of his driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning every day on his way to work, and you just think every four-letter word that you know because they woke you up again. Right? And then you're going to lay there trying to fall back asleep. I want you to think of that, that neighbor. I want you to think of the jerk who built their friends on the wrong side of the property line, and you you don't have to deal with that. I want you to think of these neighbors in your life, these people that just get under your skin and you still have to deal with that. I want you to think of them, the people that are hard for you to love. And I'm not talking arrows, I'm talking agape. The kind of love that, that pours forth even if it's hard. I want you to think of that love as I read for you Paul's words to the Corinthians again. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic 
powers, if I can see into the future and know what is going to happen, and if I can understand all the mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have all faith, but I can't love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, all of my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now keep, keep picturing that neighbor, right? That one that's hard to love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. I'm going to read that one again because I live at the only traffic light in Pendleton County and on Friday nights when those kids are peeling out the, at the traffic light, <laughs> I need to hear these words, right? Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. This is not Eros. Even couples who choose this for their wedding, they learn from us very quickly that that, that kind of romantic hubba-hubba love, right? that passionate love that, that a couple shares, that kind of comes in, in waves. That's not something that endures forever, but, but sacrificial love, the kind of love that will pour forth even when it's hard, that never ends. Many of us have experienced relationships that have broken. But love has not ever ended for us, even in those seasons of our lives. I try to avoid the grocery store on Sundays. I think Sundays especially, um, because, because I usually, if I go to the grocery store, I'm still wearing my collar, right? And I, I walk through the aisles of the grocery store, and inevitably, there's somebody who didn't make it to church this and then I hear like the laundry list of reasons why they didn't make it to church or why it's been a while since I've seen you, Pastor, but, but you can all be there someday. Or I've never seen them in church, but they always have their excuses as to why, right? You know what I mean, right? And and I I try to I try to help people see that it doesn't help me if they come to church. It doesn't it doesn't tend my soul if somebody makes it to church or not. It tends their soul. And I know, I know better than anybody else, that the longer you wait to walk back in those doors, the harder it is to get your foot to go through the door. The harder it is to, to convince yourself that you can make it in that door. But here's what I know. Take a minute and think about the buttons that have filled these pews over the years. Think, I, I mean, all the way back to when we faced this way. <laughs> think, think back to the church that you grew up in if it wasn't in this church. To the people who sat in the pew near you. And then hear this. Love never ends. 
So even though those lives have ended, even though some of those pews have been empty for a long time because the people who sat in them have died and none of us have been brave enough to sit there since then. Their love hasn't ended. Now, think about this too, before, before I get too sappy. Think of all the crappy things those people have done over the years of being members of the church, right? Think of all the ways that they, they irritated you or they did something to have a power play with somebody else or they, they cut down a tree without talking to anybody else and the whole church was up in arms about it. Think about all of the ways that, that they came into church one morning and there was a visitor and they said, you're in my pew. <laughs> Think of all the ways that they have, they have gotten things wrong and let it go. Because that, that doesn't live forever. Love does. And so those of us who come back through those doors and make it into church, we need to be surrounded by that love. We get to practice regularly, letting go of all the ways that people get love wrong. That people do life wrong and hurt other people. And we get to experience that love, that sacrificial agape that never ends. Paul keeps going. Love never ends, he says. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to talk about what it's like to live with a four-year-old. <laughs> Every night at bedtime, my four-year-old says something really hard for us to hear. She looks at us and she says, Is Mommy staying tonight? I like Mommy cuddles better than Daddy cuddles. I love Mommy more than I love Daddy. Now, she's four, right? So she says what she's thinking. And sometimes I wish I had those guts and sometimes I wish I could stop doing that too. <laughs> but, but these are hard things to hear for us. Because the two of us love her so deeply, so sorge, right? That, that tender, affectionate love. We love her so deeply that, that to hear that division. Now, once we suss it out before any of you has a panic attack, it's because I don't have a beard. My cuddles don't prick her chin. <laughs> so don't, don't anybody worry, right? But, but love is hard. Love is hard, and we find people that it's easier to love, and we find people it's harder to love, and sometimes we love like a child. We love like a four-year-old. It's easier for us to love the nice old lady who doesn't bite our heads off with everything that's griping her when we go visit her at the nursing home. It's harder for us to go in the nursing home door at the woman who has nothing happy to say, right? We love like a child. But we are called, we are called 
to hard love that bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. So Paul writes, when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, and then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known all my life. Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. None of us, none of us is good at this. Some of us are, are pretty close to good. Some of us, for some of us, loving other people is just a natural part of who we are. But I guarantee every one of us has a cranky day, right? Every one of us has a day when we just want to pass on the left as fast as we can and get around the guy that's going 15 miles an hour in the room. No, that's just Pastor Jason. <laughs> Love is our job. It is the one legacy we get to leave. Knowledge will end. Our tongue will stop. The things we've said, both good and bad, we, we will not be quoted for the rest of, of history as many, as, as many things that we learn in history class, right? We, we are not the people whose words will be written in stone. Those things will die with us. But our love never ends. Now, love does not save you. At least not your love. Jesus Jesus is who saves us. He climbs up onto the cross and he spreads his arms wide and with agape, with charitable love, lays down his life for us. But love becomes our task, the one thing we are called to do. And as we gather today for our business meeting as a congregation, as we think about all of the ways that we've stepped on each other's toes and talked about this and talked about that, we have one job. We have one job. Love.